Pass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Kill Guard Studios. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like a breeze. Country roads, take me home. To the place I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home, country roads. Oh yeah, Aaron, it's hot and delirious. Let's let's get this thing started. Bass Edge Radio, July fifteen episode. Hey man, that is a long car ride back from your uh, country concert there, buddy. Dude, it is. But hey, we're here. Bass Edge Radio, enjoying some country tunes with John Denver. Can't even remember the concert I went to, but you know, it's been just a hot, wild month, Aaron. Happy to be here in the July 15 episode of Bass Edge Radio. Well, that's right. And uh, certainly, as like all the other episodes, the July 15th episode is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. Make sure you put on the protections the pros pick by choosing MegaWare KeelGuard with that first do-it-yourself keel protector. Be sure to visit them at KeelGuard.com. Kurt, a lot has been going on. I know your travel schedule has been quite busy, as we had talked about in last episode, but now that's kind of uh, on the tail end of your trip to ICAST. Yes, Aaron, I am just hoping the Bass Edge listeners are as delirious as I am at this moment. (laughs) Yes, ICAST was good. We are going to dive into more ICAST in the August 1 episode and break all that stuff down. I mean, it all just coming together and still lots of things to learn about these products as there was so much released there at the ICAST show. And Aaron, we're going to talk more about championships now you've got regular seasons completed all through flw tour the major league fishing bass pro tour still a couple events left on the Bassmaster elite side but i think we should break down some of these championships strategies things are going to be happening in these summertime tournaments but hang tight right there bass edge radio we're going to pause for a quick break give you a quick tip from protecttheharvest.com we're going to circle back around see you there This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour Angler, Jeff Spray. Guys, the big thing to do in the summertime is Carolina rig. There's a little bit of a misconception sometimes on a Carolina rig, and I'll clear that up with you real fast. First things first, Carolina rigs are not always meant to fish in deep water. I've caught a lot of fish in shallow water on a Carolina rig on point. When I do, I usually shorten my leader down. I'll make a leader two foot, and I like to throw it on a one-ounce weight, even a three-quarter ounce weight in that shallow water if it's a super hard bottom. I can drag that really fast. I'll pair that up in that shallow, shallow water with like a Jean LaRue hammer crawl on a four-alt hook. And that's just because that particular 
setup is super effective to cover water with, as well as it's just a great, great all the way around tool to catch fish. It allows those fish to track that weight in that shallow water. You'll actually see those fish wake over sometimes and catch them in the summer. Keep that in mind. And the second thing is when you're fishing deep, you really don't have to have a super, super long Carolina rig out deep. A lot of people throw a three foot leader and things like that. It's not necessary. A lot of times that super long leader is just for fishing grass or if there's something on the bottom that you want to come up and over. But when you get out deeper, a lot of times and you are fishing an area, slow presentation is just as key as fishing fast. So you really need to slow down and vary your retrieve. When I'm fishing deep, I will throw an ounce and a half Carolina rig weight to keep that bait on the bottom. That is the most important part of fishing out deep is maintaining bottom contact. So you can't go too heavy on your weight, in my opinion. Some guys will balk at that. But however, I do feel like that is an aggressive way to catch bass. I pair all that P-line. I love it on 20 out deep. And I'll throw a 15 or 17 pound liter, depending on what size fish I think I'm fishing for. And if there's a lot of cover out there. When I fish deep, I will throw a Jean LaRue Tattletail Worm. I will throw either the 6-inch or the 8-inch, um, depending on what size fish I'm thinking that are going to be on this area. It's a great way to catch them. It's a subtle finesse presentation, but I will alternate that between the LaRue Hammer Crawl and or that LaRue Tattletail Worm. It just gives me a creature bait look or a crawl look versus a finesse worm. Sometimes in those high-pressured lakes, that finesse worm can't be beat. So try those for tips think that'll work really good for you and uh, help you put more fish in the boat. Jeff, that's an awesome tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic based oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Kurt, I want to not only throw this out to you, but I, I really would like to exploit kind of the opinions of, of just Bass Edge Nation, and that has to do with something that I've almost had to rethink my original stance of, of a five fish limit, let's say a, a weekend guy going out uh, who is participating on a tournament perhaps versus those of us that's just going out to fish to catch numbers. And that kind of coincides with when you think about kind of the Bass Pro Tour Major League Fishing format versus the traditional tournament style tournaments of a five fish limit that you and I fish. Right. You know, I, I, I used to think that catching and it's not near as exciting watching people catch, you know, just a bunch of fish. But I'm not sure that it's any easier to do that when every fish is scorable because I know many times in a traditional tournament, I'll be late in the day and maybe only don't even have my limit, you know, by noon or something. But yet I feel like I've got plenty of time to catch one more fish. And I don't know that you have that luxury when you're trying to catch numbers and, and, and cumulative weight. What's your thoughts? 
Well, you know, I think really the details of the game have to come out, right? And part of that is a lot of the fish that you're able to score in the MLF format, being that they only have to weigh one pound to be a scorable bass, are actually not even keeper bass in many lakes in the country, right? Right. So you could essentially catch a 11 or 11 and a half inch fish that weighs one pound, one ounce, you know, depending on time of year and all that kind of stuff. And although in a tournament we couldn't keep that bass because it didn't meet, let's say, a 12-inch minimum, in the MLF format, it's a scorable fish because it's way catch release, right? So I think that's one thing that skews the analytics, right? And the other thing is I found it interesting. You know, we talked about this a little bit last episode with Jeff Sprague, and Jeff said he didn't practice any differently than he had prior. It was just catching fish and I think though what changes is the technique of when to move or when to stay right I mean there are often times when you pull off fish in a tournament because you've got you know an 8 or 10 or 12 pound bag and you know you need to get to 15 or 18 to win so you do some things to try and target a larger bass whereas in the Bass Pro Tour MLF format it's just keep catching it as long as they're biting So it's very interesting. What I haven't seen grasped by the public yet in the live episodes, as we all know, MLF used to be a made-for-TV event. So you didn't know what was happening, right, until you watched it on television. And then it was really clean, put together, edited very nicely to have – all of the moments throughout the event be highlighted. Now with the live format and all the results becoming clear at the moment of the activity, I feel like there is something that needs to be rejuvenated to keep the interest of the number of fish catches being some of them, you know, small but still scorable, which is exciting. That changes the standings of the event and moves things around and, and has plausible effect to a viewer's interest. But most people, when they go out and catch a fish, man, no, it is what it is. Have you caught a 10-pounder? What's your biggest bass? What's your personal best? And although that might not be the focus of Major League Fishing, it is the focus of consumers. And I think that they buy bait and buy product not based on thousands of fish caught but based on quality fish caught. Let me ask you this. For those perhaps of Bass Edge that don't give a rip about Major League Fishing or tournaments in general, I'd like to get your thoughts on is the skill set required differently? Because going back to what you said about Jeff Sprague's interview, which if you guys have not heard that, go back and listen to it because I thought he did a fantastic job. But one of the things that popped up in that was the aha moment when he said, you know what, we're allowed to really just fish free. And he's like, every time when I know that every single scorable bass counts i have to stay on top and it is changing of what the fish are doing moment by moment that's not to say okay well duh you know even in a regular tournament or uh you know somebody that's going out and trying to catch big fish but my interesting takeaway from him was man you've got to be on your toes and you've got to have that mental focus to pay attention to what the wind's doing what the sun is doing what are the birds doing every single minute if you really want to kind of be at the top of that game yeah i would agree with that and the score tracker and the known score of the other anglers not only the adjustments to make to catch the fish but the adjustments 
of making a mental focus because as he mentioned in that interview as well, you can move up and down really, really fast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you go an hour without catching a fish, all of a sudden what you thought was a feel-good place of 10th, now you're in 19th and on the edge of being eliminated. So there are things that happen rapidly. It's a different game, Aaron. It's a fun game to watch. I think there's a way to get it all, you know, because that's really what the essence of fishing is, is to catch good fish, catch lots of fish, and catch big fish. So I just know if you ask my daughters, Meyer and Malia, they have had their most fun on catching numbers, but sometimes when I'm trying to get them on numbers isn't the easiest thing to do. So yeah, anyway, no, but, you're uh, exactly right. And we're going to talk about that in this episode as we bring in the featured angler, Matt Reed, and talking about not only anglers catching fish and the experience, but also some about youth anglers and catching fish. Y'all stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio. We'll be back right after this message. This is professional angler Jeff Sprague. I'm 2017 Forest Wood Cup qualifier Shane LaHue. This is FLW Tour angler Brian Schmidt. This is Lucas Oil Pro Mark Rose, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kurt. know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat mega wear keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology mega wear keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Our featured angler in this episode is one of the FLW 2019 Tour standouts. He is known for catching big bass and always finds time to work in some sponsor recognition as well. Welcome to the show, FLW Tour Pro, Matt Reed. Thanks for hanging with us on the show today, Matt. Hey, Kurt. I look forward to doing it anytime I get an opportunity. It's always fun to talk about fishing. Well, I couldn't agree with you more there, Matt, and uh, glad to have you back. But before we dive off into kind of the casting and, and catching part of Bass Edge. I, I hear you're somewhat of an international superstar now, you know, soon to be billboards with your face all over, maybe even a Times Square appearance uh, in the near future. I heard you put the beat down on the Japanese pros during the Hayabusa Fishing Challenge there in Texas. Oh, Aaron, that was a fun event. Uh, me and Fred and Carl, it, we had a blast working together and trying to put enough fish on the scales to, to come out on top of that deal. You know, conditions were really tough and just fortunate enough to get some really really good bites uh, when you didn't get many bites at all. But, man, you, you know, when you get one, you got excited because it was probably going to be a big one. Yeah, Matt, you definitely lived up to your uh protocol there of always catching some big fish you had some giants in that event if bass edge nation doesn't know about it you can check it out on the hayabusa facebook or instagram page when you watch it you're not going to completely understand it unless you're just viewing because it's all in japanese this was a uh, special hayabusa 60th anniversary show that was put together at lake Louisville. and matt it was uh back in may that we put the show together right yes it was uh 
uh, early May, like somewhere around May the 10th, something like that. Right. And, you know, these guys uh, broke the lake down real quickly, basically paired three Japanese pros against three Hayabusa USA pros. And, uh, man, it was a it was a fun event, not to be anticlimactic, but USA comes out on top. But uh, to check out the techniques that Matt Reed Carl Jockamson and Fred Rambanis broke down to win the event. It was uh, something special and universal when you're just watching. Just don't try to understand all the language. Well, Kurt, actually, <laughs> I've got I've got Travis uh, and uh, Steve Leslie on that. They're going to put out your cell phone number on uh, okay. social media for any <laughs> translations that are needed that uh, you'll call it play-by-play. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's fun stuff, guys. And, you know, although I have to admit, you know, Matt, I, I wanted to have you on the show this month to chat about not just, you know, so youth fishing but new anglers in the sport and you recently participated with Kurt in his pro bass camp that basically sold out every session and you've had many years experience as a guide on Texas lakes what is the best starting point for anglers perhaps that are new to the sport of fishing and also you know specifically bass fishing Aaron that's a, a great point to bring out as people who are trying to help people get into fishing the most important thing for those new anglers is to get a bite I mean you don't want to go out there fishing for giants right off the bat you know hoping to get two or three bites a day because they're going to lose interest you need to whether it's a kid or an adult they need to catch some fish sometimes that might mean starting out not fishing for bass bluegill white bass crappie something they can catch a bunch of fish and then work them into a specific type of fishing you know, hopefully they end up doing what they enjoy and then learning to enjoy bass fishing. And then we can work with them from there, you know, on easier techniques to get some bites, you know, just get numbers of bites. And then, then you want to try to narrow it down to where you can target some of the bigger fish. Because once they've caught some fish, then their patience level increases immensely. And that way you can lead them toward maybe catching that big one they've been looking for. Man, it almost sounds like it's best to take a premeditated approach to fishing for a youth angler rather than just saying, hey, let's go fish today when you're not on something or it might be difficult to locate fish, whatever species they might be. Of course, if you're in a pond or something, it's easy to catch bluegill and and stuff like that. But specifically with bass fishing or even white bass fishing or something to really catch their passion for enjoying the bite, like you mentioned. It almost seems like it has to be premeditated in a way. If you really want this youth to take upon the passion that maybe we have for fishing, would you agree with that? Oh, sure. You know, I dealt with it from the time my kids were little. You know, my son, fishing is not his total deal. When he was young, he would look at me and I'd say, you want to go fishing? He'd say, are they going to bite? (laughs) And you never know the answer to that one. So you kind of have to have a backup plan to be assured that they do get some bites so they'll want to go again. Because if you take them out there for 10 hours and they don't ever get a bite when they're not really hooked on it yet, you may lose that person. They may not want to go fishing again. So, uh, yes, you need to have a backup plan to where you can go do something to get them to pull on the end of that line. I like your point there, Matt, because I can remember when uh, for the eight and a half years that I lived on Table Rock Lake when Maya, my oldest now, who's going on 16, but back in the day when she was four, kind of through that eight-year-old pattern, we would go out and take crickets and just fish for some bluegill. And that got her to really to where she wanted to start going fishing. And what I figured out was she started asking me to go fishing, but what she really meant, she wanted to go catching for about 15 minutes and then swim behind the boat uh, for about another 30 minutes. So I think you bring up some good points there. What, what do you 
think are some of the best techniques to begin teaching a person to fish? You know, just in general, teaching them to fish, you start out teaching them to cast. If they don't learn to cast properly, then frustration sets in before they ever really try to get a bite. You, know, you have to target whether they need to start with spinning gear and, and then teach them how to throw a bait caster. But after that, you want to target an easy to catch type of presentation. I usually would start somebody in shallow water throwing a spinner bait or a shallow crankbait, something where a bass pretty much hooks himself. You know, he'll bite it and pull on it and they can set the hook. You don't want to start him out throwing a Texas rig or something like that where you have to feel the tap and be sure he's got it and then set the hook hard to get him hooked. It needs to be a type of presentation where the fish pretty much commits suicide and hooks himself once you get that bite. And shallow water tends to be the easiest for that. If you move out deeper, the easy way, if you find a big group of fish out deep, time a drop shot on a spinning rod. You know, when a fish bites that, he's pretty much got a hold of it and you can just whine and uh, lean on him that little high boost of drop shot hook. You just put a little pressure and you're going to have him hooked. That's the easiest way for them to catch them out in that deeper water. Matt, those are outstanding tips to get some of this. I really like how you started out with the casting, you know, how important that is. Not that they have to have pinpoint accuracy, but just not to be frustrated with the process of tangles and those types of things. Is it good to start them on the shore for that kind of deal, or or do you just kind of give them an overview as you're in the boat when you're guiding? You know, I usually start out in a boat. I don't usually do it on shore, but you can do it either way. But uh, one thing you do want to do as you're teaching them to cast, be out in the wide open nowhere where they can just throw it in any direction and it's not going to get hung, not going to get this. You know, you're just working on trying to get some distance out of it so they can get it far enough away from the boat that they can catch one. And it's amazing now with the new technology in reels how quickly a younger person can learn to cast. I use the Johnny Morris Platinum cast bait casters and, and the magnet system and that type of thing is really good. You give me 15 minutes, I can teach a kid to cast. Right. Sometimes when you get an adult that had never cast, time frame might be way longer because his hand-eye coordination <laughs> is not as good as a kid. So sometimes you never know, but you usually can teach somebody in a fairly short period of time if, they, if they're really wanting to learn. Right, that's great information. You know, we see this at Bass Camp, you know, at Pro Bass Camp that you're involved in, and we kind of let some of these youth anglers take the reins or control of fishing outing after a few days of being with them in the boat. We hear a lot about young anglers that have become professional fishermen, their parents dropping them off in a John boat in, at the lake for a day, and they just kind of struggle through figuring out what they need to do. And those experiences ultimately become the foundation for continuous success in catching fish in general. When do you think it's the right time to let a youth angler or a new angler kind of take the reins of control through a session of fishing? You know, Kurt, that varies from kid to kid, but when you see that they're thinking the process through about what the fish might be doing and how to adjust a little bit, and they've experienced, you know, the ability to control the trolling motor and that type of thing, it's always good to let them have control for a little while. Uh, and a lot of those times you want to just give them small windows to start with and then kind of take control back over to, if you think they're kind of getting off target and get them back on target and then let them have the reins again. And that varies from kid to kid. My gracious, I started fishing club tournaments when I was 12 years old, but I'd been fishing with my dad since I was four or five. Uh, a lot of these kids don't start till they're older. So it, it's different with every kid, but you will see the growth to where they start to want to do certain things on their own. And when they do, let them. 
let them do some things and, and practice some techniques. Try some techniques that you really might not have been wanting to do at the time. You know, we get a little set in our ways, but let them experience it and see if it works. I like where you're going with that because how many times have we had another person, not even during a tournament, but just that we're out fishing and they're trying something else. And lo and behold, that's a pattern that (laughs) we may have not uncovered if we wouldn't have, you know, just opened up and kind of taken the blinders off a little bit, you know? Totally. You know, I don't know how many times I've had somebody in the back of my boat start catching them and doing something that I thought was kind of stupid in the beginning. And then you go, okay, I guess I'll try that. Guys, the cool thing about this segment of this show is, uh, you know, we feel like it's super important here at Bass Edge to keep the youth and new anglers, no matter what age, get them enjoying the sport and taking it on because we know how much joy and pleasure we get out of this thing and uh, we just want to pass it on and and hope that uh, they can have the same love for the sport that we have. I hope these tips will help listeners get some youth anglers, new anglers out on the lake and give them a process to work with to hopefully start building that passion of fishing. But, guys, for right now, we're going to hold tight. We're going to power pull down for a short break. Bass Edge Radio will return after this message. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented by Mercury Marine returns with FLW Tour Angler Matt Reed in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products for oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works Matt, as we chatted about youth anglers, we also have some angling frustration as adults. And uh, given your experience throughout the country, what is the best universal method to put bass in the boat during these summer months? You know, Kurt, I'm going to answer that kind of a two-part deal. If you're a shallow water angler, I would say flipping shallow cover, you know, with a with a Texas rigged beaver style bait or something like that, or in shallow cover. If you have a nature like I do of wanting to fish away from the shore, fish deep structure, probably the most tried and true method to get a bite is a Carolina rig. You know, it'll let you cover deep water fairly quickly, and you're going to get bites on it. It might not turn out to be the best presentation to catch the giants, but it is universally a way that you can get bit, you know, offshore fishing for smallmouth, largemouth, Kentucky spots, whatever species, they will bite a piece of soft plastic on Carolina rig. Well, Matt, that leads me into uh, kind of my next thought. We always like to get multiple opinions on this, but the mental aspect of fishing is tough enough, but let alone when you combine kind of the heat and, and some of the conditions that exist during the summertime, how can anglers better prepare for that warfare, you know, that happens in the brain when the summer arrives and, you know, here we are, we're trying to out catch a bass in the heat of the day? You know, Aaron, I truly like that time of year. It's my favorite time of year to fish. So I try to eliminate as many of the variables as I can. And the first thing is hydration. I start every day off drinking a quart of Powerade before I ever get on the water. If you don't lay a base 
for hydration, you, you may get in trouble. You know, you may get dehydrated during the day. If you ever wait until you're thirsty, you're behind as far as liquid intake. And when you get hot and don't feel good, that type of thing, your brain starts to wander and, and you're not going to fish properly. So the number one thing is stay hydrated and then don't expect to bite every two minutes. During the summer, if you'll stay focused, there's going to be a window at some point during the day where you're going to land on a group of fish and you can make it happen in a short period of time because they'll be grouped up. So you have to maintain that mental focus throughout the day because if you're not really there, the opportunity may present itself and you just totally miss it. So uh, try to keep your head in the game and be ready for it when it shows itself. Matt, I saw that a couple weeks ago at the youth camp, and you're exactly right. What happens, and I'm kind of going back to youth and new anglers of the sport a little bit, but this is just as important for anglers that get out every weekend or professional anglers, you know, in, in that mental process. Because we get out there, and we let's say the morning hours, fish are biting. It's good. You know, you get that two hours in that golden time of day, right, in the summertime in the morning, and then it slows down. You know, things start changing the sun's coming out or it's getting hotter and the morning bite is starting to subside tremendously then you go through that process of okay i'm either going to get my butt in gear and really start checking and looking and bouncing around for that next pattern that's developing or you're going to get frustrated and lose that mental focus and not be in the fish finding mode rather than when we launched for the day we were in the fish catching mode right so um that is such an important process for all anglers to understand and just realize that there's a time dedication that needs to be taken in order to have success in this game and that is generally found this time of year when the bite will alter and change rapidly from getting a few early morning shallow bites to then the fish kind of tapering off that morning shallow bite and being more readily available in other patterns that develop throughout the day exactly and i mean i had a hands-on perfect example of that at the camp last week i had one of the anglers caught a few in the morning got really frustrated you know you could hear him taking deep breaths back there and sighing and oh, right. you know not really wanting to be there and then i made a move and we landed on an area that really had some good fish and he got excited had a blast caught a big one you know and the kids that went there during the tournament one of them ended up winning and he finished third or fourth and was super excited so it's always fun when you see it take place going yes. from total frustration to being on the high of high and then that's one of those days that that you can leave and smile and say, whew, I managed to get it right today. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't always go that way, does it? <laughs> it does not. <laughs> it does not. You have uh, to make them have a good time. No, that way they'll be willing to give it another go. Very good. Well, Matt, let's let's move into the next segment of our program, the listener question segment, sponsored by your boat of choice, Nitro Performance Bass Boats. We've got four salmon sent in a question. He says, I currently live in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Most of our local lakes are six foot at the deepest part of the lake. My question is, will bass still school up in the deepest part of the lake, even if it's only six feet, or do they generally just try to find cover? Wow, Kurt, that's a good question. Six foot at the deepest. As far as thinking about that in my head, my head wants to go back to Florida more than Virginia for that type of a question, but most lakes that I have fished that are shallow all over, uh, the fish are cover related. You know, whatever type of cover you have, whether it's vegetation or 
their wood or that type of thing, lily pads, any of that, they tend to relate to that more than just the deepest part of the bowl. But one thing you do need to be very observant of, if it's six foot deep and fairly flat, if there's a one foot drop off somewhere out there in that lake where the depth change is just a small amount, maybe one foot, that's a big drop off for that depth. So if you've got hard bottom out there with a one-foot drop, you may have a group of fish sitting out there on that five- to six-foot drop out in the middle of that lake. You've got the right type of bottom. Well, Matt, thanks uh, for helping out Forrest. And Forrest, we need one more thing from you, and that is to uh, let us know that you heard your question answered by Matt here on Episode 308. And you can simply do that by logging on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, and we will send out that Bass Edge gift directly to you. Or, if it's more convenient, just simply log on to any of the social media platforms through Bass Edge, and uh, we'll get that sent out. Listeners, keep those questions rolling in the show via our website, BassEdge.com, to have a shot at winning a gift from Bass Edge. That is, if your question is chosen to be aired on the show, you may also email us, support at BassEdge.com, or check into our social media platforms. Well, Matt, excellent information on the show today. Any final words before we shut this down? Oh, Aaron, it's, it's always fun to talk about fishing. I get excited talking about kids and taking kids, taking guys, wives that have never fished and putting them on some big fish at Falcon or, or just people in general that hadn't fished. You know, get someone to start the sport at whatever age. It's always a great day to see them have success and get excited about it, and you know they're going to continue to follow our sport if they do. No doubt about it. That's what the show's all about. Matt, I'm going to send you off with our final segment. Four last questions for you. What is your favorite music while on the road to and from events? I like good old, old country music. I'm not saying the new, new stuff, but, you know, 80s to 2000 country music, that seems to get me down the road on these endless miles that we seem to travel. <laughs> yes, they do sometimes seem that way. <laughs> Especially when you're out here in West Texas at Falcon and Lake Amistad, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're a day away from the starting point, basically. You're in another part of the world when you start from there. That's right, but a beautiful <laughs> part to live. What is your favorite holiday? You know, my favorite holiday, I would have to say, uh, is Christmas. We got the birth of our Savior there, which is the main purpose for that holiday. But I love watching my grandkids have a blast also, you know, getting their presents and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's just a great holiday for multiple reasons. I like it. Good stuff. Who is your best tournament team partner? My best tournament team partner was my friend, Ricky Frederick. Me and Ricky fished together for approximately 15 years wow. in the team world. And I would have never fished the tour without Ricky. You know, I think I qualified the fifth time before I ever did it. And I wouldn't have done it without him because he told me I was going to do it and paid my entry fees the first year. So <laughs> it's like I always owe him either a, a debt or needed to hit him right in the face for, for pushing me <laughs> to do it. <laughs> it's been a nightmare at times. So, you know, uh, that Ricky was and still is a great friend. We spend a lot of time together. In fact, he's coming up to St. Lawrence next week to spend a little time. After our event at Champlain, he's coming up to St. Lawrence. Man, that's a great story. And the final question is, what body of water did you catch your first bass? What body of water? It was a really big one. You probably could throw a rock across it. There was a little old stock pond out the window in front of the kitchen at my house. Mom and Dad would set me out there at four years old with a 
Snoopy Rod or Zebco or whatever and a bucket of minnows and watch me out the window with my life jacket on. And they still tell stories about me catching a six-pounder when I was about four years old and I couldn't wind it in. I just turned around, put the rod over my shoulder and started walking backwards and just drug it out on the bike. <laughs> I love it, man. Those are great stories. Matt, it's been awesome to have you on the show again here at Bass Edge Radio. Good luck the rest of the way for the summer. I know you're going to be doing a lot of guiding at Falcon and fishing a few events and a couple big events so uh, wishing you the best of luck bass edge radio will return right after this message you know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat mega wear keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology mega wear keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWear Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWear Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Heard, you know, for some, this could have been a uh, some elementary information or maybe just a, a repeat, but I think it's always good to get brushed back up on. I think oftentimes we can take for granted, you know, introducing people and especially young people into the sport, given, you know, high school fishing, college fishing. There's a lot of people that's wanting to get into this, young and old. Yeah, the evolution of really introducing the sport to anglers has come a long way, a long, long way. And so that comes with new challenges, right? Like, how do you introduce someone to the sport properly? From our perspective, from, you know, an experienced angler's perspective, um, it's one thing to drive some folks to some fish and have them catch fish. And that's really, really important as they start their process of hopefully building a passion for the sport. And then it evolves, right? Then it evolves into, okay, they enjoy catching fish. Are they going to enjoy finding fish? <laughs> because yeah. because if really, really someone, you know, elevates to that next level and really has the passion for bass fishing in general, we know you're not going to catch them all the time. So if they don't enjoy the highs and lows and the battles and the successes that, that come with the sport, then they probably are going to move off of bass fishing as, as time progresses or just do it very sporadically, which is fine as well. You know, everybody has a different perspective on every sport, you know, and fishing is no different. But um, it's important to see where those things turn and as students 
stewards of the sport, we have to be aware of those turns, those peaks, those valleys, so that we can make sure that people are enjoying this sport that we're trying to inflict essentially upon them, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, I, I think we owe it to our sport and to others to give them the same opportunities that we were given. And, um, you know, I, I do think there is a call for us to deliver on that. And hopefully uh, this will be just a another glimpse. But there's certainly many levels that we cover on Bass Edge. And we just wanted to be sure in the 308 episodes now that we have officially completed to remind people of that and also really provide the skills and, and some of the pros and some of the guides like you guys that are out there doing this on a daily basis of what's the best way to go about doing that. But speaking of episode 308 coming to a close, it officially has as we need to get on down the road so that you, Bass Edge Nation, can spend more time on the water. We certainly know you have many choices out there, uh, and we appreciate you spending your time wherever you may be listening to us. We have a lot of fun doing this and look forward to seeing you on episode 309 next month, the 1st of August. In the meantime, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Make sure to check out BassEdge.com and all the social media to stay up on everything Bass Edge, but we will see you August 1st, episode 309. So long, everybody. is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 